Matthew chapter 11, make your way there, 11 and 21. All fall, we have been doing a series called Reflection. And it's been a series about challenging us to look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and... Yeah, to look at the life of Jesus Christ and see Him as a role model to follow. How many know there's nobody better to follow than Jesus? His attitudes, the values, the priorities of His life. And each week we've been taking something He did, uh, uh, attributes of His life, something He taught and tried to incorporate them in our lives. Well, this morning we're going to look at a number of scriptures. Matthew chapter 11 is where we'll start, verse 29. Jesus is speaking to His disciples And Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, and notice this next phrase, learn of me. In other words, Jesus is about to tell us how he is, the type person he is, who he is in the depth of his heart. And then he says, for I am gentle, or the Amplified helps us, I'm meek, another abstract word. But then he says, I am humble. Can you say that with me? I'm humble, or I'm lowly of heart. I'm humble, and you'll find rest for your souls. Now, Matthew 21, verse 1, Jesus is now about to go into Jerusalem just before he's crucified. And he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village, and you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And the prophet's prophecy in verse 5 is, Your king, Jesus, king of the world, is coming to you. What does it say? Humble and riding on a donkey. So in these two verses, Jesus is described as a humble man. Of course, he was very God, very man. He's described as a humble man, and he's riding into town, not in a chariot, not in a royal procession, but he's riding on a donkey. Now, I want to ask you this question. Clearly in the Bible, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was a humble man, and he came to us in humble circumstances. But what does that mean? If we're in college and it's time for the test and the teacher hands out the blue books and says, okay, write down the word humility and tell me in two pages what it means. Give me an example of it, contrast it to something. Tell me what the word humility means. If Jesus was humble, if he came into this world in humble circumstances, tell me why and tell me what all that means and how it applies to us. I guarantee you most of us would have the same blank look on our face in that classroom that you have right now. Because the word humble is hard to get your hands around. It's hard to understand what it means to be humble, yet we're going to see, as Jesus taught us, that's a pretty important thing because literally it's the key to real success and promotion in life. Matthew 23, verse 12, Jesus said, Whoever exalts himself. And now we're seeing about pride. I mean, no, you can't understand humility until you understand pride. So Jesus said, if you exalt yourself, and self is the key, all morning when it comes to pride, uh, haughty, empty pride, you'll be humbled or brought low. In other words, if you make yourself great, if you're a self-promoter, if you're arrogant, if you're boastful, uh, if it's all about you, if you take credit for everything, if you don't see God's hand of your life, if you're trying to get ahead of everybody else by making yourself better than them, God says, I'm going to bring you down. But on the flip side, if you will humble yourself, In other words, if you will have a modest or a right opinion of who you really are, if you'll behave and treat people in that fashion, then the Bible says that God will raise you to honor. So it's a a great promise in the Bible that if I were to humble myself, and I'm going to explain this to you this morning, that God will lift me up. But if I try to promote myself, if it's all about me, if I am the man or if I am the woman, 
uh, you know, I, I'm the one that's responsible for my success. I've got the highest batting average. I've got this award. I've got this much money. I've got blah, 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 blah. And it's all because of me. Then God says, it's just a matter of time before I bring you down. So let's explore this this morning. We're going to start with several things. We're going to talk about pride. I'm going to show you a little video. Because how many know it's much easier to see pride in you than it is in me? It's way easy to see when you're behaving in a self-righteous way. It's way easy to hear when you're bragging, but it's pretty hard to know when I'm doing the same thing. So we'll talk about pride as the contrast. Try to get a grip on this thing of humility. And hopefully you'll think this morning. Hopefully that God will help show you some things about your life that it will challenge you. And then we're going to look at the, the meat of the message is three different scriptures that Jesus gave us about this idea of humility or what it means to be humble, what it is and what it's not. And uh, hopefully I'll challenge you to make that choice. Because the Bible will tell us deliberately to humble ourselves. To humble ourselves. Now, in the biblical era, in the Greek and Roman world, if someone were to be described as a humble person or humility, uh, it would be seen as weakness. Humility was weakness. It was a character flaw. And I suggest to you that in modern America, it's much the same thing. If we talk about someone and say they're a humble person, we probably mean they're not very successful. Uh, they maybe are poor. Uh, they don't have much going for them. They're always going to be at the back of the, back of the pack. Uh, you know, they're just kind of humble, and, and that's kind of the way they live their lives. That is totally a misrepresentation of what humility is. Humility is basically found in our relationship as we understand ourselves to God, who He is in us, and how we respond to people. So let me try to unfold this this morning, and I think it's going to help you. But let's take a little video clip first and uh, look at an athlete with just a little bit of pride in his life. All right. Tell your neighbor, boy, he was eat up with pride. I'm glad I'm not. Go ahead, just tell somebody that. I'm telling you what. He's got it, but I don't. Now, let's talk about pride a second. Pride is an excessive sense of self-confidence. Now, I'm not talking about confidence. Let me illustrate this. In the book of Philippians, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So pride says, I can do all things. Now, I don't care if it's whatever your career may be, if you're a teacher, if you're a physician, preacher, whatever you are. I can do it. I can hit the ball. I am the man. I am God's gift to women. Just go down the list. I can do it. Or I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the big difference, as we'll see in this. Uh, pride, you can be, uh, show this excessive self-confidence because of what you've accomplished, your possessions, your position in life. I mean, no, these things in life, when you get to the top of whatever you're doing, I don't care what you do for a living, but when you become the man, when you get the trophy, when you get the awards, the accolades of people, pride can lay hold of us. And, we're gonna, and, and again, Christians are not weak people. Christians are not failures. Listen, how I many of we should be the best at whatever we do? Because you've got not only all the gifts you brought to the table, you've got God's hand of blessing on your life. Pride, though, takes credit, come on, for what you couldn't do without God. Pride manifests itself, and we see it in arrogance, superiority, bragging, self-righteousness, I'm better than you are. How many have felt when you're around someone and they're talking down to you like they're better than you are? Come on, you know what it's like. How many have done that to somebody else? See, again, when you get to the top of your game, I don't care if it's hitting a ball or working, and, and, and someone else doesn't have the same skill you do, the same number of possessions, you can feel like you are better than them. 
Now, how many know our value is not determined by our checkbook? Come on. It's not determined by where we are on the social ladder, on the ladder, but our value is determined, come on, by our position of God in Christ. Let's keep going with this. Pride people can be self-reliant. Now, it's very important to take care of ourselves, to, you know, to, you know, to, to, to make our way in life. But if you're doing it and taking credit for it apart from God, if you don't see God's hand in your life, you're prideful. You know, people in life that say, I don't need God. I can do it. I can take care of my life. They're prideful people. Proud people talk down to others. They feel like they're better than others. Romans 12, 16 tells us, though, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. So I don't care where you are, there's somebody else that's in a different place on the social scale than you are. Come on, everybody in this room. It's a different place. There's, uh, there's people that are, quote, above you in the world's social strata. There's people that are below you. The question is, do you feel better than those that are below you and not quite as good as, as those that are above you? That's all worldly. That's all secular. We're operating uh, by a different drummer. Listen, people can be proud for a number of things in life. There's a lot of doors where pride can come in and make you proud. I'll tell you a little funny story here. I, I was in California for a number of years. Uh, I got out of the Navy, and that's where I was trained in ministry. Actually, the uh, guest speaker next week is gonna, my father-in-law, and I spent the first 10 years of my life being groomed in his church. And I can remember, I'm from Mississippi, and I'd meet people in California, and when I would tell them that I was from Mississippi, I would feel like they were looking at me like, like wanting to ask me, well, did y'all wear shoes and have electricity back there? Now, they never said those words, but I felt it. How many understand what I'm talking about? How many know our race can be a source of pride? Maybe people around you said, you know, it's because we are fill in the blank that we are. It's because we're white and they're Asian, black, then we are better. Oh, because we're black and they're white, or we are better. That's the world. That's this whole racism thing that we're in. You know what this feels like if you have gone into a room full of people that were a different color than you are. Come on. And you felt that whatever, white men can't jump, or whatever, whatever you felt, you know, kind of got on you. And you're going to get a little tense on me right now because I guarantee you I could just say some things that circulate through our culture and that you think every day. And if I said it, you'd turn around and walk out of the room. It's that strong in us, these issues of, of pride. Pride over our accomplishments. See? Pride over, you know, whether our jewelry is bling or whether it's real. I mean, listen, give me a choice for real or bling. I take real every minute of the day. But the real does not determine my value. And if you have real and I don't, that does not mean that you are better than I am. See, lots of things, you know. My degrees do not make me better than you are. See, my, 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 my batting average could be higher than your batting average, and those facts are true, but that doesn't mean I'm better than you are. It means I hit the ball more times than you did. Are you with me? See, pride has to do with our heart and how we see ourselves in relation to God and relationship to other people. And there's something about this deal called pride. Pride will make us think more highly of ourselves than we should. James 4, 6 says, though, that God opposes the proud but gives what? Grace to the humble. So here's the deal. If I've got pride in my life, sooner or later, and it's just a matter of time, uh, when God is going to put, the, put the, the quench on my life and God is going to begin to cause me to slow down and stop my upward spiral until I realize that it's in Christ. I live, I move, come on, and I have my being. Now let's look at humility, just the, just the opposite. As we understand humility, first of all, there are humble circumstances in life. 
How many know that when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding a donkey, that was a humble statement? He didn't come in, though he had the right as the king of the world to whom every day, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. If, if there's anyone that deserved to ride in the stretch limo, it was Jesus. But he didn't ride it. He didn't show up in the private jet. Come on. You, you think in our world today how we treat dignitaries. Think of our president. Whenever he goes anywhere, he's got at least one or two airplanes. He's got a couple helicopters. He's got scores of people protecting him. He's riding in this mammoth monster of a beast. And the sense is that, well, he must be better than me, smarter than me. Blah, 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 blah. Not the case. But that's the way the world treats people held in high esteem. Jesus is riding a donkey, and he's born, come on, in a stable. Think of this. Was there someone in heaven that forgot to get Jesus a hotel room? If Jesus would have come to Texarkana, would his booking agent say, what's the best hotel in Texarkana? That's what, we're going to rent the whole floor of the best hotel wherever he is. We don't want an old one. We don't want beds people have slept in. We want everything brand new, and we want the best. Now, I mean, that's what he deserved. Do you realize there are angels in heaven 24 hours of every day, seven days of every week, saying, worthy is the Lamb of God. But Jesus didn't come that way. He came in humble circumstances. And I can't, I, 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 don't, I don't know, I can't even get my mind around why, but he came that way. In the Bible, you'll see people that are depicted as poor, afflicted, often viewed as in humble circumstances. But that's not what we're talking about today, our circumstances. We're talking about our heart. Now, the best definition I can give you is humility is absolute dependence on God. Let me say it again. Humility is, is absolute dependence on God. It's a recognition that everything I have, come on, everything I can do, everything I will ever do is because of Jesus. And that's for every one of us. I imagine that you are the, the, the greatest cardiologist in the world. You are the heart surgeon that if, it, uh, listen, I don't care if it's the prime minister of wherever, Germany, France, Great Britain, if you have a heart problem, you're the one that they're going to call. You can charge whatever you want to. You've got the training. You've got the experience. And when you get ready to go in that room, and you've all seen movies on TV, and the surgeon gets ready, and they go, what do you say? Do you say, I've done it before, and I can do it again? Do you say, I'm the best. Give me the knife. Or do you say, through Christ, I can do this. Do you say, God, give me your strength because without you, I'm nothing. Without you giving me dexterity in my fingers, come on, I couldn't, I couldn't wield this knife. Without you giving me a mind to think, I couldn't remember all the drugs that I'm giving this person and how much and all the, I couldn't remember a thing without you. Without you, though I've done this a hundred times, I couldn't do it another time. See, this is the language of humility. Humility is absolute dependence on God. Because lest we forget it, come on, all we are is a jar with some water and some clay in it stirred up and it came out you. See? But, but pride makes us believe we're a little bit more than we really are. Now, something else about humility we're going to learn today. Humility is, is reflected in the way I treat people. Humble people don't talk down to people. Humble people don't treat other people like they're better than they are. Humble people, listen, are, uh, exist to serve other people in whatever capacity. And I'm not talking like the maid. We're going to get to this. But I'm talking about the expression of our lives is to make an impact as we serve 
other people. So we're going to talk about these things this morning. And again, I hope it makes you a little uncomfortable. I hope you're thinking because it's an abstract concept, humility, uh, meekness, uh, lowliness. But yet Jesus said it is powerful, powerful, powerful. Because if you're humble, listen, the sky's the limit. And I've entitled this morning's message, Humble or Fumble. If you're humble, you'll make it to the goal line and win because of Christ will exalt you. But if you're prideful, guess what? You're going to fumble the ball and you're not going to make it. So let's look at this together this morning, humble or fumble. And uh, take a peek with me in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I want to look at three passages of Scripture that Jesus gave us about this subject of humility. And I want to remind you today that you can choose to be humble. You may be in humble circumstances that you can't get out of. You may not can afford the limo. The donkey is what you're riding on. Be thankful for the donkey. But I'm talking about choices, attitudes, how we see ourselves. We'll see the scriptures. We close the message today that tells us to humble ourselves. Come on. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. God will lift us up. So you can choose to be a humble person, not a weak person, not a failure. Not someone who's not successful. This is not the meaning of humility. But you can choose to live a life of absolute dependence upon God. And the way that I treat people, come on, is treat people not that I'm better than they are, but I treat people as someone that was created by God just like me. Well, let's look at Jesus first. Three different scriptures. Matthew chapter 5. And again, this first and most important thing that I would try to teach you from the scripture today is humility is total dependence on God. Now, what is the greatest sermon in the history of the world? Yeah, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus literally, it, it, it's been described to some as the foundation of Western civilization. The way that we treat people, the way that we relate to God. I mean, it's got everything from forgiveness to judging to, I mean, it's money, the whole bit. Well, notice how he starts it out. And the way he started out this, this message, the Sermon on the Mount, with, is what's called the Beatitudes. Robert Schuller years ago called them the be happy attitudes. The Bible talks about the way to blessing, or you and I might understand it. Jesus is saying, here's how you be happy in life. And the first thing he said is staggering. The first thing Jesus said are, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what in the, poor in spirit, what is that? It has nothing to do with money. It's an inward thing he's talking about. The New Century Version helps us. People who realize their spiritual poverty. Now, this is key. The first secret to happiness in life is realizing your spiritual poverty, which simply means that apart from Christ, listen, I am just a guilty sinner that's going to be standing in front of the judgment of God one day. I desperately need the grace of God. I cannot save myself. I cannot help my sin. I was born in sin. I live that way. It separates me from God. I realize it. And I can't do anything to change it. I need Christ to wash my sins away, come on, and change me on the inside. Now, that's spiritual poverty. And the first thing Jesus said was a word about humility. And do you realize the third beatitude, the third thing he says, are blessed are the meek. Again, the new century tells us, blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, imagine what Jesus just told us. In the first and third be happy, be happy attitude, he said this, if you want to inherit the kingdom of heaven and if you want to inherit the earth, be humble. Have total dependence on me, and the sky's the limit. Now, I'm telling you, if you don't hear another thing, if you want to leave this church right now, if you walk away with that, it has the potential to change your life. The source of humility is recognizing my total dependence on God. 
having operated on a thousand people, seen hundreds of hearts and all the issues, come on back to the heart surgeon, have done it multitudes of times, could almost do it in my sleep, picks up that knife, takes a deep breath and says, I cannot do this without you. I cannot do this, Lord, without your help. Absolute dependence. All I have, all I can do is because of Jesus. Now let me suggest to you, this is the starting place for true self-esteem. Self-esteem in the world basically will tell you, feel good about yourself. You are wonderful. You are great. Uh, In today's modern education system, we won't give kids in some settings. We won't give them a grade below a C. It doesn't matter what they make because we don't want them to feel bad about themselves. See, some people in sports don't want to keep score because they don't want the kids to feel bad about themselves. See, our world does everything it can to tell you that you are great, you are wonderful. I'm telling you, you know, you live in it. But you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible says that all my righteousness is as... So the basis of my identity, and I'm real proud of it, starts out as a sinner. Now listen, I'm saved by grace through faith. Come on. I'm a child of God is my new identity. But my former life is, guess what, friend? The identity of a sinner. You'll never hear that taught in schools. They won't say it because they don't believe that there's such a thing as as sin. Now they get upset about Penn State. But there's an elephant in the room they won't talk about. Our culture, it's all around us. So even the world knows right and wrong, but its standards are always fluid and always changing. But the Bible says the bottom line, we've all been born into sin, and we all need a Savior, and we cannot save ourselves because the wages of sin is death. And can I tell you, if you start there, that shouldn't make you feel bad. That should make, godly sorrow should make you aware of a need for a Savior, come on, who gives you a new identity, who washes your sins away, who makes you a son and a daughter of God. That's my identity, and it starts, my key to happiness, with spiritual poverty, recognizing in and of myself, come on, I cannot save myself. I don't care, listen, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how, 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 how good the food is you eat. I don't care if you eat totally organic and exercise every day and have the best doctor in the world. At some point, you are going to die, friend. You cannot preserve your life indefinitely. At some point, you, like every person on the planet, and God is trying to remind us, I'm going to allow death to humble you, to make you realize that you need me. And if you cannot preserve your life, but if you'll reach out to me, come on, I will give you eternal life. Give the Lord a a good hand this morning. As human beings, we live like we're in control of everything. Now listen, it's amazing. We live like we're in control, but right now we're all living on borrowed air. You didn't do anything to create it. If you don't have it, you'll die in a flash. If you don't sleep regularly, you cannot function. If you don't eat, you cannot function. But yet we walk around as long as we've got money, credit, and our health like we don't need God. Do you realize that we are spinning on a planet at the equator 1,070 miles an hour? Woo, that's pretty fast. And you can't even hold yourself to it. Remember kids on the playground and they're doing a little game and they're twisting and they're letting people go or even the little merry-go-round that's spinning. It may be spinning 10 miles an hour and they can't hang on, they fall off. But you're spending a 1,000 miles an hour, and God, by gravity, holds you on this planet. See? God is the one that makes your heart beat. You cannot control it beyond some point. God is the one that makes the involuntary functions of your body work. Come on. God is the one. In Him, we live and move and have our being. 
Humility is absolute dependence on God. It is a recognition that every good thing in my life is because of Jesus. See, this is what humility is about. And you know what? You can be, again, the classic heart surgeon, and you can be a proud heart surgeon or a humble one. You can be a proud guy who hit the home run, or you can be a Tim Tebow who after the 95 yards, come on, you heard it this week, 95 yards bringing his team to victory, he does the God thing at the end. Well, what's he saying? He's saying, in you, I can throw a football. In you, I can run a football. In you, come on, my tendons have not been shot out of my knees. In you, you kept me and you watch over me. I'm telling you, friends, it is the secret to happiness in life. Matthew 18, one more scripture. Jesus is asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the baddest in the world? Who's the best baseball player? Who's the best student? Who's the best professor? Jesus said this, he called a child, put the child in the midst, and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now here's the big phrase, whoever, say it with me, humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now that doesn't mean that you're like a, a three-year-old and you're throwing fits and you need your diaper changed when you're one or two, you know, it's not it. But what it means is a child has to totally depend on parents to provide for them and to protect them. And can I tell you, Jesus is saying, would you just wake up and realize that you can't do a thing without me? And if you will lower yourself from this proud, self-made, reliant person and recognize that I'm the one that watches out of you, come on, I'm going to lift you up and the sky's the limit. Give him a big hand this morning. Go to Matthew 23, the second thing. The path to greatness is found by humbling yourself and serving others. Now, the context here, Jesus is talking to religious Pharisees who were what? Self-righteous. In other words, they believe that they're better than everybody else because of all the religious things that they do. And Jesus speaks to them because, listen, they want the great seats of honor when they go to a banquet. They want people to stand up when they walk by. They want all these signs of, of, of recognition and greatness. And Jesus says to them in verse 11, whoever is your servant is the greatest among you. Whoever makes himself great will be made humble. And whoever makes himself humble will be great. What is the Bible saying? Once again, we see it in Scripture. Jesus said, if you lift yourself up, if you think you are the man, you're coming down. But if you are recognized that all your goodness and accomplishments are because of me, I'll lift you up. Now, let me tell you, what, give me an example about what it means to be a servant as we're talking about. Imagine you're the CEO of a company. Let's take a big one. Let's take, uh, let's take uh, General Electric. I'm telling you, the guy makes not only millions of dollars in salary and perks, but gets multiplied millions of dollars in his life, you know, for bonuses at the end of the year. He's responsible for hundreds of thousands of employees. He's responsible for products all over the planet. And I want to tell you this. You can either be a proud, self-centered CEO, or you can be a servant. When they hire you and you sign your contract, you can have this attitude. I am here to serve the hundreds of thousands of employees that are, quote, under me. I'm going to do my best to keep them all employed. I'm going to pay them the best that we can. We're going to have the best benefit package we can. I'm going to do my best to serve the people that own stock as a profit. We're going to make profit in a legitimate, ethical way, and we're going to serve our shareholders by making them money. We are going to serve the people of the world by making a quality product at a reasonable price. That's a servant, and that's greatness. Or you can say, oh, man, where's the keys to the private jet, and what's the pilot's phone number? You can say, what is my bonus tied to? I want more. And you can be there just to make money. 
So here's my question to you. Do you want to be the CEO to make more money or to serve people? Now, the guy who serves people, I'm not talking about the maid. I'm not talking about the janitor. I'm talking about an attitude of our heart that wherever we are in life, that we're there to serve people and reach them and make their lives better and ultimately influence them for Christ. If that's your attitude, he's still going to make bunches of money. How you know, you know that? Because God is going to bless him. But he's not doing it for the money. Come on. He's doing it to serve people, and it's an act of humility. You know, that is exactly what Jesus Christ did. Listen to Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of, here's our word, self, selfish ambition, but in, say it with me, humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Now, that doesn't mean that they're higher on the social level. It simply means this. I'm going to serve them, and I'm going to work for them, come on, rather than having them work for me. I'm going to do my best to let them prosper, not just demand it all for myself. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. He made himself nothing. You understand humility is a choice? It's a choice when you take that job as the CEO or whatever. That what am I there for? He made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a what? Servant. Verse 8 says he humbled himself. There's the word. He became obedient to death on the cross. And therefore, God highly exalted him. Can I tell you, it's the example of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He washed people's feet. He rode in on a donkey. But today, my friends, he's seated at the right hand of God. There's a message for us. If we humble ourselves, the way that we treat people, the way that we think of ourselves, God will lift us up. But if we're still stepping on people and trying to get ahead by pushing ourselves, God's going to bring you down. Tell your neighbor you don't want God to bring you down. That's a long way to fall. Luke chapter 18, let's look at one more. Luke chapter 18, verse 9, and here's the third thing that Jesus will teach us. Humble people don't think that they're better than others. Improved on what's on the screen. Humble people don't think that they're better than other people. Now, Jesus, verse 9, Matthew 18, verse 9, Jesus told a parable to some who trusted in themselves. Trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. It's a way of saying, I'm better than you are. And again, the Pharisees, the religious people. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee standing by himself, interesting, this is the way he prayed. God, I thank you I'm not like other men. Can, can you hear the pride in it? I'm better than they are. I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. Now, he was prideful. He was probably greedy because Jesus said Pharisees were lovers of money. But he said, I'm not all these things. That makes me better. Or even like this tax collector. Now, tax collectors were the scum of the earth in their day. When Jesus, the people he attracted, he attracted sinners. And yeah, we can't even relate to the concept of this person. But here, this guy is praying. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. But he said, God, be merciful to me. God, be merciful to me. And listen to what Jesus said when he looked at the two. I tell you, this man went home justified rather than the other. And here's the phrase. Jesus said, everyone who exalts himself will be, but everyone who will be exalted. So here's the third message that I want you to see this morning is humble people don't act like they're better than other people. Now listen, you can have a higher batting average, but that doesn't make you better. You can have more money and wear nicer clothes. That doesn't make you better. You can have real diamonds or you can have bling. I'll take the real ones any day. But listen, the real doesn't make you better than someone who... See, for all you know is they may make as much money as you do, 
They give most of their money, come on, to missions, to help the poor, to reach people. And all your stuff is going to be burned up on Judgment Day. But somehow we think that we're better than other people. And that's the message of Jesus. All of us, come on, are just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. I don't care if you're black, white, tan, or green. Listen, we're not any better. We're not any different. We're created in the image of God. And Jesus wants us to treat people with respect, come on, with honor, and with dignity. Come on, that's what it's all about, to be a Christian. Well, I want to ask you this morning, here's a time we get to apply this. What has the Holy Spirit been saying to you today? What has He showed you about your life? You know something I know about proud people because I've, I've got some prideful tendencies, just like you do. Let me tell you a little funny story. Years ago when I was in California, I, was a, I, I, I got a business degree and I was in church administration, so I thought, well, I'm going to make some money. So I got a real estate license. And if, you had a broker, if you had a bachelor's degree, you could uh, get a broker's license. So here I am, property, the average house was going for, I don't know, a couple, two, three hundred thousand back then in California. I had zero experience and zero ideas what I was doing. Put this house on the MLS, it sold in one day. One day. My commission was going to be $5,500. And I'm thinking like, I am the man. And this guy calls me up on the phone after it had sold, and he, because it was a sign in the yard, and he asked me about, about the house. Now, he didn't list the address. He said, I have a question about your listing. And I said, okay, well, let me tell you about it. And I just start talking all about this house. And he says, how did you know what house I was talking about? See, that's the only listing I had. <laughs> and I was acting like I was way this smart, experienced guy and didn't know up from down. See, our, it's, our, it's our desire for honor, for recognition, to be applauded by other people that, that pride makes us reach out to. Pride makes us brag. Pride makes us arrogant. Pride makes us try to be something that we're not. Pride makes us self-righteous because we want to feel like we're earning something. God says, throw all that away. Throw all that away and just be who you are first, a sinner who now has been saved by grace that I'm putting on the right track and I'm beginning to exalt because I am your source. I am the gasoline in your car. I'm the key to the engine that'll make your life work. And if you will choose the path of humility, God will place his hand of blessing on your life. I want you to bow your head just a moment and I, I want you to take just a second and I wonder what the Holy Spirit might have said to you today. Mind you, as you're just reflecting on what God is saying, James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. We can humble ourselves. How do we do that? Absolute dependence on God. Absolute dependence on God. Realizing that when you woke up this morning, God gave you the alarm clock. God gave you ears that could hear its sound. You went to the closet this morning. God gave you the money to buy every stitch of clothing in your closet. God gave you the ability to bend your knees so you could put your pants on. God gave you dexterity in your fingers so you could tie your shoe. God gave you a vehicle that somebody else designed that you were not smart enough to build. And you put your key in that ignition and the engine turned. You didn't even know how it worked. But God was the one that revealed the technology of the automobile drove down the road this morning to church you were probably passing people going 60 65 miles an hour 
God is the one who protected you from them veering across the road while they were texting or talking. God is the one that sustains our life. So today we want to choose as much as we are able absolute dependence on God. Today, Lord, we're going to choose to humble ourselves before you. Today we're going to just pause and realize how good you are to us. That in you we live and move and have our being. Today I'm going to choose the path of humility. I'm going to choose dependence. I'm going to say it. I'm going to express it. I'm going to feel it and live it. The second thing we're going to do today is we're going to choose. We're going to make a choice to serve people, not just to be served. That as we're pulling ourselves up the ladder of life, it's not just to get more for me, but it's to serve those who look to me. I'm going to empty myself of my rights. I'm going to take on the form of a servant, and God will exalt me. And the last thing I'm going to choose today is to treat people as someone created by God and not act like I'm better than they are. I don't care what the difference is. I'm not going to treat them that way. I'm going to treat them with mercy like I've received mercy. If these are things you're asking, you just might slip your hands to heaven with me and say, Lord, would you help me? Because it's, it's easy to see pride in others, but it's hard to see it in me. So would you help me? Would you gently guide me to this path of humility? Would you make me aware of my need for God every day of my life? Would you help me pause to say thank you for everything you've done? And Lord, would you please forgive me for ever acting in a condescending way? Forgive me for my bragging, my arrogance, my sense of superiority because of the price I paid for my pair of shoes. God, would you forgive me today? I'm just trying to find acceptance. I just want to feel good about myself. Would you help me find my identity in you? And would you help me to see my success is as a platform to serve people? Whatever skills and abilities you've given me to help me be good at, would you help me use that to serve other people? and make a difference in their lives. And this is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Hey, it's good this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm going to get me a badge. Best sermon ever. I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to put it right there. Yeah, that's easy. Hey, the way we're going to close our service, every week we, we have opportunity. Our prayer team comes back, and uh, they'll pray about anything on a personal level. Maybe you missed your moment earlier. Maybe you kind of felt a little shy. Listen, I totally understand that particularly if you're new, but here's something I know. Everybody needs prayer. Everybody needs prayer. And uh, if you want prayer for anything, we'll pray with you this morning. And, but I'll ask this question, too, before I leave. One of very special prayer. It's about your relationship with God. I want to ask you, have you found the source of happiness? Do you have purpose for your life? Or are you trying to find it in things that you just like doing? Are you trying to find it through your hobbies? Are you trying to find it through work, through acquiring stuff, through relationships? I want to ask you if something's missing in your life spiritually. And I want to tell you, friends, it could be a personal relationship with Christ. I'm grateful my mom had me go to church, but I mean, just because you go to church, that doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you come to that place in life and you realize, Lord, I'm not going to serve myself anymore. I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for you. And I want to ask you if I could receive the gift of eternal life. I want to ask you to forgive me. Wash my sins away and give me a brand new start in life. Lord, I want, to, I want to follow you and not myself. Maybe for one of the first times in life, it's become very real to you this morning about your absolute dependence on God. Because I have this theory. One of us, one day, we're all going to die one day. 
And it could be that death is God's last attempt to humble us here, to make us realize that it's in Him we live and move and have our being. But maybe God is calling you today to follow Him. Maybe you have come to the realization that my happiness is not out in the world. It's not in things. It's not in stuff. It's not in experiences, accomplishments, or education. The source of my life must be in God. And I want to commit my life to Him today. I want to ask Christ to forgive me. And I want to get on track with Him. If that's you this morning and you'd like for us to pray for you, we'd be honored to pray for you. We want to not only pray for you, we want to give you something that's going to help you. We won't embarrass you. You know, I was walking out in the first service down the side. And this guy and his wife reached out to me and said, Would you pray for my husband? He wants to commit his life to Christ. I know it's hard in a group of people and everything to kind of say, Yeah, it's me. But I'm telling you, when you say, Yeah, it's me, it's like the whole world gets behind you and Jesus gets first. It's like there's got to be a first step away from what's held you back this far in your life to step towards God. And I wonder if now's the time for that first step. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I want to get right with God. I want to commit my life to Christ. I want you to pray for me. Would you lift your hand? Do it boldly and unashamedly this morning. Pray for me this morning. God bless you, man. I want my life to be hidden with God in Christ. Anyone else? Pray for me today. I want to give my life to Christ this morning. I want to put my trust in Him. I want Jesus to be the center of my life. All right, praise the Lord. Listen, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to pray this morning. I want to invite you to just come and let one of our guys talk to you. They're going to give you something and pray for you. Come on, give him another big hand. One of our guys is going to meet him as he comes this morning. God bless you. Our prayer team is coming this morning. Good to see you. Every move to God. Yeah, every step to God is always a right step. Come on over with Pastor Joe. Come on over with Pastor Joe. Our prayer team is coming to the altar now. You want prayer for anything, come on down. We'll sing this one time and you'll be free to be dismissed. If you needed to commit your life to Christ, you come and let us pray for you. God bless you and I'll see you Tuesday night.